Coming up, what an excellent day for La Plume de Matante. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 92 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And I'm Father David Mowry. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. And folks, yes, that voice you heard was Father David Mowry. We are so happy to have him with us again. Welcome back, Father David. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks so much. I brought my 1970s uh, tape recorder with <laughs> oh me in goodness. order to record uh, my contribution to the show. So I'll mail the reel to you after we're done recording. You wonderful, sound wonderful. marvelous, I'm sure. This is great. <laughs> we'll find out in a couple of months. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you sound great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, folks. So our minute begins with Captain Howdy saying, it would bring us together. And it ends with him saying, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. Mercedes, move over. (laughs) Yeah. That was coming by surprise. That was... That's our that's our podcast out here. It's like, oh, man. but I love it. I love it. I'm glad. I'm glad he's back with us. Um, yes, folks, we are we are back in this room. This is this is Damien's second visit with Captain Howdy, and he has a plan. Uh, Damien, I mean, not Cap. Well, well, he has a plan too. Um, mm-hmm. They both have plans, oh, yeah. uh, and we're gonna see who outsmarts who or or whom uh, in a second. <laughs> um, it's a knockdown, drag out battle of wits. Are they playing chess or Russian roulette, <laughs> or are they playing the much talked about game Mousetrap by Hasbro? Mom, can we not play Mousetrap, please? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just do Bible study and go to bed early? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes. I say much talked about, much talked about by Carl. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> at least we think. Um, so, uh, stay, like, stay with us to find out. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be a, the most radio uh, uh, showy intro I've ever done. Um, what's wrong with me? Am I possessed? Um, <laughs> Only took or, 92 minutes, but we broke him last week. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, we got it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Or am I just excited to talk about this minute? Folks, you are in luck because we have another reading. Um, We're going to continue where we left off in the book. So here we go. A reading from the book of Blatty. But wouldn't wouldn't that drive you out of Reagan? The demon put its head back, cackling maniacally, then broke off. It would bring us together. You and Reagan. You and us, my good friend, croaked the demon. You and us. Garrus stared. At the back of his neck, he felt hands, icy cold, lightly touching, and then gone. Caused by fear, he concluded. Fear? Fear of what? Yes, you'll join our little family, Karis. You see, the trouble with signs in the sky, my dear morsel, is that once having seen them, one has no excuse. Have you noticed how few miracles one hears about lately? Not our fault, Karis. Don't blame us. We try. Karis jerked around, his head at a loud, sudden banging. A bureau drawer had popped open, sliding out its entire length. He felt a quick, rising thrill as he watched it abruptly bang shut. There it is! And then, as suddenly, the emotion dropped away like a rotted chunk of bark from a tree. Psychokinesis. Garrus heard chuckling. He glanced back to Reagan. Ah, how pleasant it is to chat with you, Garrus, said the demon, grinning. I feel free, like a wanton. I spread my great wings. In fact, even my telling you this will serve only to increase your damnation, my doctor, my dear, inglorious physician. You did that? You made the dresser drawer move just now? The demon wasn't listening. 
It had glanced toward the door, toward the sound of someone rapidly approaching down the hall, and now its features turned to those of the other personality. Damned butchering bastard! It shrieked in the hoarse British-accented voice. Hunting Hun! Through the door came Carl, moving swiftly with the tape recorder, setting it down by the bed, eyes averted, and then quickly retreating from the room. Out, Himmler! Out of my sight! Go and visit your club-footed daughter! Bring her sauerkraut! Sauerkraut and heroin, Thorndyke! She will love it! She will- Gone. Carl was gone. And now, abruptly, the thing within Reagan was cordial, watching Karis as the priest quickly set up the tape recorder, looked for an outlet, plugged it in, threaded tape. Oh yes, hello, 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 what's up? Are we going to record something, Padre? How fun! Oh, I do love to play act, you know. Oh, immensely. I'm Damien Karras, said the priest as he worked. And who are you? <laughs> are we asking for my credits now, ducks? Damn cheeky of you, wouldn't you say? It giggled. I was Puck in the junior class play. It glanced around. Where's a drink, incidentally? I'm parched. The priest placed the microphone gently on the nightstand. If you tell me your name, I'll try to find one. Oh, yes, of course, it responded with a cackle of amusement. And then drink it yourself, I suppose. As he pushed the record button, Karis answered, Tell me your name. Fucking plunderer! And then promptly disappeared and was replaced by the demon. And what are we doing now, Karis? Recording our little conversation. Karis straightened, stared. Then he pulled up a chair beside the bed and sat down. Do you mind? He responded. Not at all, croaked the demon. I've always rather liked infernal engines. Abruptly. A strong, new stench assailed Karis. It was an odor like sauerkraut, Karis. Have you noticed? It does smell like sauerkraut, the Jesuit marveled. It seemed to be emanating from the bed, from Regan's body. Then it was gone, replaced by the putrid stench of before. Karis frowned. Did I imagine it? Auto-suggestion? He thought of the holy water. Now? No. Save it. Get more of the speech pattern. To whom was I speaking before, he asked. Merely one of the family, Karis. A demon? <laughs> you give too much credit. How so? The word demon means wise one. He is stupid. The Jesuit grew taut. In what language does demon mean wise one? In Greek. You speak Greek? Very fluently. One of the signs, Karis thought with excitement. Speaking in an unknown tongue. It was more than he'd hoped for. Pos eknogasoti presbyterosaimi? He quickly inquired in classical Greek. I'm not in the mood, Karis. Oh, then you cannot. I am not in the mood. Disappointment, Karis brooded. You made the dresser drawer come sliding out? He inquired. Most assuredly. Very impressive, Karis nodded. You're certainly a very powerful demon. I am. I was wondering if you'd do it again. Yes, in time. Do it now, please. I really like to see it. In time. Why not now? We must give you some reason for doubt, it croaked. Some. Just enough to ensure the final outcome. It put back its head in a chuckle of malice. <laughs> uh, how novel to attack through the truth. Uh, what joy. Icy hands lightly touching at his neck. Karis stared. Why the fear again? Fear? Was it fear? No, not fear, said the demon. It was grinning. That was me. Hands gone now. Karis frowned, felt new wonder. Chipped it down. Telepathic. Or is she? Find out. Find out now. Can you tell me what I'm thinking right now? <laughs> Your thoughts are too dull to entertain. Huh. Then you can't read my mind. You may have it as you wish. As you wish. Try the holy water? Now? He heard the squeaking of the tape recorder mechanism. No. 
just keep digging, get more of a sampling of the speech. You're a fascinating person, said Karis. Regan sneered. Oh no, really, said Karis. I'd like to know more about your background. You've never told me who you are, for example. A devil, rumbled the demon. Yes, I know, but which devil? What's your name? Ah, now, what's in a name, Karis? Never mind my name. Call me Howdy, if you find it more comfortable. Oh, yes, Captain Howdy, Karis nodded. Reagan's friend. Hmm, her very close friend. Oh, really? Indeed. But then why do you torment her? Because I am her friend. The piglet likes it. She likes it? She adores it. But why? Ask her. Would you allow her to answer? No. Well, then what would be the point in my asking? None. The demon's eyes glinted spite. Who's the person I was speaking to earlier? Asked Karis. Oh, you asked me that. I know, but you never gave an answer. Just another good friend of the sweet honey piglet, dear Karis. May I speak to him? No. He is busy with your mother. She is sucking his cock to the bristles, Karis. To the root. <laughs> he chuckled softly, and then added, Marvelous tongue, your mother. Good mouth. It was gleaming at him mockingly, and Karis felt a rage sweeping through him, a tremor of hatred that the priest quickly realized with a start was directed not at Reagan, but at the demon. The demon! What the hell is the matter with you, Karis? The Jesuit, gripped calm by its edges, breathed deep, and then stood up and slipped the vial of water from the pocket of his shirt. He uncorked it. The demon looked wary. What is that? Yeah, you're not holding back the swearing in the reading when we have our guests here, uh, Lester. Yeah. I'm noticing that. Didn't notice that as we were getting ready, but now. Oh, that sorry, I just got back from the bathroom. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I may cut that out in the actual reading. Um, well, we're on our best behavior so fast. In, our, yeah, yeah. in our own voices, but yeah, that, <laughs> right, right. But that's literature. This is literature, folks. Literature. This is, this is art. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. So. Yeah. Like. What do. You, what do you guys think of this? Uh, st- again, just a little bit of uh, a difference here. Some. Uh, some more tete a tete we got going on between Howdy and, and Karis. The one line that really jumped out at me was, uh, "We must give you some reason for doubt, just mm. enough to assure the final outcome, and then how yes. novel to attack through the truth." Yes. Uh, and I thought that was such a a well crafted line because, of course, the most dangerous lie is one that's partially true. Mm-hmm. And yes. a totally outrageous lie is, of course, completely unbelievable. You know, my dog mm-hmm. ate my homework, like, but you don't mm-hmm. have a dog. So you know, it's just <laughs> that's not going to really cut the mustard. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Christian tradition has always presented uh, evil spirits as liars. And Jesus himself in the Gospel of John refers to Satan as a liar and the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And in presenting the unclean spirits in the course of the Gospels, one of the things that's consistent about their appearance in Jesus' exorcism ministry is that the evil spirits know who Jesus really is. I know mm-hmm. who you are, the Holy One of God, says one yes. of the unclean spirits, which is true. But why speak that out loud? There's part of it is, is a theological point that the unclean spirits recognize who Jesus really is, that the unclean spirits are quicker to believe than the Mm. human beings around Jesus. Mm -hmm. But there's also an attempt by the unclean spirits to control because like we get in the scene here, this unclean spirit is hesitant to give its real name because there's power Mm. in names spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in in the gospels where the unclean spirits try 
to name Jesus as he actually is. They expect that to have some kind of power, but you have no power over God. That's just, that's not how this works because God is, mm. is God. Uh, God is the origin of all power. So there's nothing that can control him. And so it is with Jesus. But here there's this use of the truth of naming things as they actually are by the unclean spirit to eat at Karis. And, and even the, the revelation to say out loud how novel to attack through the truth is part of the game because yes. now it's like, is that a lie or is it telling the truth? Now I don't know what to believe. Yes. <laughs> I like what we're doing here, you know, comparing the novel to the the book. I think it's really interesting that we get to do that. And a lot of times when I talk to um, students of mine or people who are, um, uh, you know, film fans, right? There's a there's a tendency to want to pick one format over the other, right? The book is always better, or, or you know, that that sort of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like here how there are things in the book that you just cannot do in a movie. So. Mm. Blatty's, Blatty's idea of what fear feels like to Karis is being cold hands grasping for him. Mm. It, again, that would be useless for Blatty to try to put into words in the screenplay, useless for Friedkin to try to <laughs> overemphasize that, right? And it's just right. perfect, perfect in the book. I have not heard that metaphor or that imagery before. Um, and it is it is not only like, oh, it's, it's that sense of cold that you can't have in a movie, uh, right. but also these hands are... Fear feels like hands reaching out to him for help rather than for like to torture him, right? Is mm. that is that sort of what you get from that, Lester? Um, well, I got I got something a little bit different. I got uh-huh. like just just like an icy touch, like if somebody mm-hmm. had like you know submerged their their own hand into like some mm-hmm. ice water and then like touched the back of your neck, right? Um, but to to bother you to to be a, a jerk about it. <laughs> that's, that's how I read it. That's how like or maybe maybe um I I think the closer reading I got was like an embrace, like like your yeah. your emotions kind of like embrace you, like when you get angry. Angry, anger mm-hmm. kind of like holds you. And mm-hmm. when you get afraid, fear kind of like embraces you. And so it kind of felt like like fear was kind of like, you know, glomming onto him or, you know, like like caressing the back of his yeah, neck. Yeah, yeah. I think that's super interesting because Damien has this problem, right? He doesn't want to be the person that, that people rely on anymore, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. think that he is good enough or strong enough to be a son, a father, a psychiatrist, a scholar, any of those things, right? To be mm-hmm. a resource. And so I think that's a really cool way of putting it that, um, that yeah, it's like people reaching out for for that's why I read it as reaching out for help I suppose mm. I like that interpretation too like like yeah like as if this is as 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 if this is these are like the masses of people whom right. he is responsible for it's like you like please help us right in that um, Bellevue scene that you were that you compared to the harrowing of yes. hell and just these these hands reaching out at him mm. yes yes and then like also just to be seen mm-hmm. you know in his emotion by by the demon like him he didn't even say anything about fear like he was thinking right. he was like is that is that the fear again why am i feeling fear and the demon's like nope that was me <laughs> right Ugh. yeah but again just things that we can't begin to put into visual form in, in a movie so yes yeah Mm-mm-mm. again so it's not that the book is worse or, or better than these are two really sophisticated pieces of art here where we get to see yes. the that let us say the c word in front of a catholic priest <laughs> <laughs> here on a sunday lesser a sunday I, of read all that, I read that so fast and i didn't even realize i was like oh wait no we have a guest today all right well <laughs> anyways look i'm a priest but uh, i'm not deaf <laughs> well there you go yeah right? i have a way of hearing things you yes know. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm just going to start <laughs> gaslighting like Captain. Like, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that wasn't me. No, no. That was me. That was the piglet. That was the Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Blaster's nice. descent into madness continues. <laughs> continue. Yeah, I'm glad you said continues and not begins. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Okay. So yeah, let's get into this minute here, folks. And uh, folks, the first thing we see here in this new cut is what they have done to this room. I love what you've done to this room. No. Um, <laughs> the, the room was mostly in darkness the last time we were here, but now we can see. Yeah, Keenan, it's like you said. It's as if we have turned this room into its own insane asylum, right? Like just, just as Chris had feared, right? With, with the removal of all of the uh, uh, broken and breakable things, all of the sharp pointy things, right? <laughs> the room looks like something out of a dream. <laughs> Not a dream, like it would be a nightmare, but... Right. Um, like, folks, we didn't mention it before, but now we get a really good look at this bed. This bed has been parodied and imitated almost as much as the rest of the movie. Keenan, you could say that this bed is a character. No, the bed is a bed, is what I would say. <laughs> I have the, the sense characters that, are characters. I'm having the sense that I'm stepping into a long-running debate here. Right. It feels Landscape like mom and dad are fighting, and I'm are not characters. Time frames are not characters. Seasons are not characters. <laughs> Unless we pixarize them, right? And we give yeah. them little emotions, right? Yeah. Now I'm imagining the Pixar version of The Exorcist. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what if Reagan's bed had feelings? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Betty. <laughs> I just don't know if I want to be a bed. Oh, the character will be named William Betty, too. Oh. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have Planchy. We have... Um, Pulley, the Pulitzer, the Pulitzer Prize, Prize yeah. yes. and now we have Betty. <laughs> well, you mentioned the insane asylum vibe mm-hmm. to all of this, and what I was thinking of is how the room reflects the the mental state of the people who are mm-hmm. in it observing Regan. So Karis right. is here in a clinical mode. He's here to yes. investigate and to eliminate things scientifically. So he's going to engage with. Uh, Captain Howdy in conversation, try and tease out proof. He's Mm going to have his little holy water gambit later on in the minute. And so therefore it's very white. It's stark to me. This, this came across as very clinical. The lighting Mm. is is very flat and even as if it's like institutional fluorescence all the way throughout. There are very few shadows throughout all this. Uh, There's, there's very little, mystery to Reagan because there's no shadow caster. You can, you can see the vomit stain on her clothes. So Mm -hmm. she feels very corporeal as she's strapped down to the bed here. And you compare that with when, you know, the bed is shaking and Chris is on it, or you have the exorcism scene where everything is dark and it's cold here. There's no chill in the air. Mm. There's no, you know, Karis has his coat on still. So either that's like his self-protection armor thing, you know, or to make himself feel safe, or it, it is actually a little chilly, but not cold enough to see the character's breath. So right. that that's what that's what struck me in seeing the scene just based on the tenor of the conversation here that mm-hmm. the room kind of changes based on the kind of the spiritual and mental expectations of the people who are in there with with Reagan and with Captain Howdy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, love oh, it. Betty White. <laughs> Sorry, now, sorry, you need sorry. to you need to exorcist minute. <laughs> you need to tell Father David that you were listening to him. No, I was. Right. I absolutely was. <laughs> that this is what this is what we do. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, I absolutely was. Um, yeah, but and and thank you for that description, Father David. That that was that was uh, excellent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting. So when we cut into this scene uh, from the previous uh, one, yeah, we we see a lot of the colors been stripped away, as we're saying. But that vomit just stands out even more green. Right. Yes. It's one of the one of the few colors we have here. So in these wider shots, yeah, it is gray. It's like she's a corpse of some kind. And these yellows that we have don't really 
help us with anything, right? They don't, no. they don't actually feel like they're providing us any color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea of it of feeling more fluorescent. Um, um, when we're t- dealing with the color temperature in film, we tend to say that the most orangey one is tungsten, which uh, that's the color that we have. And then um, within our practical lighting, we'll, we'll go towards fluorescent, which is um, a little more blue. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's more yellowish blue, um, but yeah. So so that is uh, the the phrase for fluorescent is something that cinematographers and gaffers will use for a particular color of temperature that they uh, is sort of one of their stops along the spectrum of color temperature. Yeah, yeah. Ah, but yeah, folks. Like in in all the the merch that I've seen of this movie, this mm-hmm. bed with its like weird um, cushioned bed posts and its crisscrossing of of white straps, right, is mm-hmm. is always present, right? And of course, like like we said, Keenan, diegetically, it's right. so Ray doesn't get free and hurt herself on a like a sharp piece of wood or something, right? right? They've been but working then, all week putting putting all this stuff together. Yeah. Or yes. Carl working overtime. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We say we say they. It's Carl. It's Carl. <laughs> yeah. We know who someone is. It's Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone needs to go to the store and get eggs. <laughs> right away, madam. Oh, madam, I wonder if the store's open this late, so I couldn't possibly go. <laughs> well, someone needs to find an all-night market, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Someone is getting too old for this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So, but like for us, this bed, it like it it adds this um, size and mass mm-hmm. to to uh, 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 like the space, right? For one, it makes Reagan look smaller. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. And I also think like part of that is uh, like the emptiness of the room as well. But then also it hit me this time around, Keenan, we've already seen the um the giant throne like chair mm-hmm. uh in the in the hall of the demon king, right? Back when <laughs> right. when Reagan uh, was being hypno- hypnotized, question mark, question mark, question mark, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't this sort of kind of match that aesthetic a little bit? Like it's it's real and unreal at the same time. It's this right. weird like German expressionist version of a bed, right? Like mm-hmm. except the act, act opposite of German expressionism because like there's no pointy angles or anything, right? Like <laughs> oh well, there are there are German expressionist films that are more like in the vein of um, like we live in a tree that's a house and it is it is mm. curved and and uh, gnarled and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, yeah, this there like the Golem movie version of the Golem. Um, the scientist lives in a in a tree house and there's like the walls made of books and stuff like that. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever floats your boat back then. <laughs> yeah. It was the twenties. It was Germany. It was a time of ex- experimentation. Hmm. And I mean, like, like it, it also kind of just looks like, um, I don't know. It, 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 it looks like if you asked AI to draw a comfy bed, right. And it, you know, it's puts pillows all over the place cause it doesn't know what pillows are or where they go. <laughs> right. Actually, Reagan kind of fits in with the AI art because, like, it can't do people quite right either. Right, but that's that's Betty White. She's she says she says I I I've never felt at home as a bed. That's what my father wants me to do because of generational trauma, and I just don't know what I want to be doing with my life. I don't give these ideas away for free, Keenan. Come on. <laughs> Pixar is desperate right now. Yeah. <laughs> they are desperate. <laughs> Somewhere, someone's listening to the Exorcist Minute. They're like, guys. <laughs> Someone is taking notes about this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Someone will make millions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, folks, so our last minute ended with Howdy saying, what an excellent day for an exorcism, and Karis, Karis being a little puzzled by this. So he asks, wouldn't that drive you out of Reagan? And our minute today starts with Howdy saying, it would bring us together. Another iconic line from this film. Now, 
As he's saying this, Karis is making his way over to the bed. We realize now that that thing on the floor was not a mini stovetop, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm slightly disappointed. I was hoping it was going to be like an excellent day for eggs in a basket. Um, but, uh, but no, it's a tape recorder. And now Karis is placing the microphone on the bed near Reagan. And as he does so, um, he responds to her saying, uh, or oh yeah, Captain Howdy responds. And he says, it would bring us together. Um, and Karis says, you and Reagan. So he's back on track. He's humoring this sick little girl, sort of guiding her safely through this fantasy. Is that how it feels? Like, like I'm going to let her talk me through this until she gets to a dead end and maybe opens up about what's really bothering her. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's some good talk therapy kind of stuff where it's you know, presenting uh, you know, some active listening. Like, oh, I heard you say they're bringing the, the, the you together. Like, oh, tell me more about who the us is. Uh, and he's presenting you and Reagan and that allows the the captain howdy to continue the conversation but again it's it's karis leaning too much into his experience as a psychologist when what reagan really needs is a priest and so he's being he's being responsive and reactive and what's needed ultimately as the the text of the movie is going to present is the authority of a priest that father marin is going to you know spur karis to do later on Mm, i like that yes yes i I do too if if this really were a sick little girl, Karis would be doing a really, really great job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, he's 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 not playing the game he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then her response here surprises him a little bit. How how he says you and us. Now, what do we take that to mean? We can see that it shakes Karis, but before reading um, the book, I didn't quite understand. I thought maybe he was saying like. Something like like enemies in battle share an intimate bond, almost like brothers in arms, like but the opposite. Like what, when he says it'll bring you and us together, what what does he mean? It's so hard now to read that line with the with the benefit of seeing it for the first time, right? I don't know mm-hmm. how to put myself back in that space that rather than than seeing it now, like oh, this is his plan all the time is to mm-hmm. is to get into Damien, right? Mm-hmm. Is it sort of yeah, yeah? I, I don't know how <gasps> oh! to. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wasn't even talking. Oh, oh. Well, I heard that wow. light bulb going off all the way over <laughs> yeah. here. I got one of those old-fashioned like uh, uh, noise-making lights. Like, yeah. So bright, I can't look directly at Lester. <laughs> wow. Boy, do I feel... I got to turn in my podcasting license. Oh, I no. I, well, how do you read it then? That's that's all I could see it is now. Well, no. Okay. Well, uh, I mean... Uh, did you have anything else or do you want to read? <laughs> no, I just I just don't know how to not see it that way. Oh my goodness. I yeah, so like for me, so I I think the book plays this up a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as we get closer to the exorcism, the clock begins ticking faster for Reagan. Um mm-hmm. her body her body is giving up. She is dying. Mm-hmm. And uh her needing professional medical attention becomes more and more of a problem. Right. And we have we have Karis agonizing over the decision to stop all of this and get her to a hospital or to go on with the exorcism. And Howdy picks up on this, uh, because of because of course he does. And he implies that if Reagan dies, it'll be Karis's fault. He would be the reason that she died. Right. And his neglect would bring, uh, his neglect would be the thing that kills her. Hey, kind of like your neglect killed somebody else in this story, Karis. And that's why she's in here too. So mm-hmm. now I, I take it to mean like, I can't wait for you to do the exorcism, Karis, because it's going to damn you. And then we'll be closer than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, but now you're, now you're putting this other thing out. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Like the the literal ending of the movie. Oh my god! 
Yeah, which which ties into one of the uh, we had the reading from the book of Blatty earlier, and Karis mm-hmm. is one of the signs, and one of the signs is speaking right. a language that the person doesn't ordinarily know. But another one of the signs is knowledge of uh, future events or mm-hmm. contemporaneous events that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And so there's mm. a little bit of of forecasting that's happening here with right. Captain Howdy because Captain Howdy sees perhaps dimly that. Kind of how he will possess Father Karras, but maybe it's prevented from seeing what happens immediately after that. Because right. uh, otherwise, yeah. I don't think Captain Howdy would be quite so smug mm. about <laughs> what happens uh, in this scene here. The other thing mm-hmm. that I was, when I, I remember seeing this for the first time, okay. and uh, for for me, hearing that line, it kind of said like, oh, Karras is in a lot more trouble than he realizes mm-hmm. because mm. it's his soul that's at stake here. Uh, he hmm. is somehow doing this exorcism under these circumstances is going to kill him and is going to trap him within the same kind of hell that Reagan is in. And then we get from the benefit oh. of the book, we get the benefit of hearing all the different voices. The, the movie doesn't do a great job of mm-hmm. explaining, you know, when Karis talks about the four distinct personalities, he means right, right. Reagan and Captain Howdy and um, the director whose name escapes me. Uh, right Burke now. Dennings, yeah. Dennings and then his mother. Right. And so Karis would become just another lost soul, which again, we mm. heard from the book reading uh, mm. yesterday. So there's this idea of these lost souls being gathered together. It reminds me of um, C.S. Lewis and the screw tape letters mm-hmm. where in, uh-huh. in that work of fiction, he presented the, the devil's tempt souls because the, the demons feast on human souls and mm-hmm. kind of gather them to hell so they can feed off of them. And so you know, there's, there's that kind of idea, like why would demons possess or be interested in human souls if not for sustenance? There's that idea that kind of runs through fiction uh, mm. in the presentation of demonic possession. Yeah, that's interesting that you that you mentioned screw tape. So actually, in the 40th anniversary edition, there is a line that I I don't know if I I like it or not. But when um when uh, this scene comes around and uh, Karis is getting ready to record, um Captain Howdy mentions like oh incidentally duh, you know did you notice that sometimes I sound like my older brother screw tape? Mm. Um, which I thought was a little bit like, you know, it's like, like 40 years on and we're trying to like, we're trying to punch up the dialogue and it's like, I don't know if we needed that, but it's like, Hey, I'm a devil in a book. <laughs> Do you know who else is a devil in a book? Right. Uh, postmodernism these, ruins everything. All these metatextual yeah. references. Oh. <laughs> yeah. These kids love their Narnia. So <laughs> yeah. let's get on to, onto that. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Like he says, like how novel to attack from the truth. And then he says, surprised by joy indeed. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Blatty, wow. come on. So if Blatty were writing today, it'd be like, you know who else is in here? <laughs> Professor Snape. Yes. <laughs> Professor no, Snape's in that. here. Dumbledore and, died. <laughs> Dumbledore yes. died. He's in here. <laughs> no, Captain Howdy. And uh, Khaleesi's in here. And, uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and um, uh, Walter White's in here. You, yeah. you kids like your Walter White. And Doja Cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, folks, now you now you understand why I read the first edition. <laughs> uh, Captain oh Howdy has a hello, fellow kids kind of type. Just, it t- <laughs> exactly. just takes yeah. away some of the terror, I have to say. Not, not yeah, Blatty's no, uh, best move. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I do love the, there's there's kind of like a, um, a spectrum of like how much Howdy is winking mm-hmm. at the audience if you go from like, you know, book to movie and, mm. and like like 40th anniversary, you know. And um, it, like the 40th anniversary, like I like the, the, the book is kind of like in the middle. It's like, in in the movie, we got no winking at all. Like right. Howdy is like serious and he's angry and and he's just like, bah, you know, who are you? And and then in the first edition book, he, he's just 
like snarky enough. And then the 40th edition is like, it's, it's, it's just like, it's a little bit too much sauce. It's a little mm-hmm. bit too much cheese for me, but yeah. Oh, actually. Okay. So father David, you mentioned something that we have talked about on the show before. Um, and it sounds like you're more in Keenan's camp. Um, and, and so now I'm curious mm. the idea that Reagan's soul is at stake for this whole thing, because I was sort of under the impression um, and I thought this was 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 Catholic doctrine, and, and maybe I'm just like misremembering, or or I'm not understanding fully. Um, so we got a priest on the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask <laughs> you: um, Is Reagan in danger of being damned from this? Like, like can Captain Howdy just like snatch her soul, or is that because like I always understood it that like like he can he can do stuff to her body, he can even kill her, but he can't actually like steal her soul away. Uh, And here we touch upon the difference between demonic possessions as they're presented in fiction and demonic possessions Mm -hmm. as they happen in real life. Because cards Mm -hmm. on the table, as a Catholic priest, I believe that the devil is real. I believe that exorcism is an efficacious uh, spiritual ritual that does in fact deliver people from demonic oppression and demonic possession. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's important to lay out the differences. Now, there are some there are some connective points between Reagan's situation and what has been documented in mm. real exorcism cases. You know, Reagan's you know little dabbles with uh, occult things like the Ouija, the Ouija board, but mm-hmm. that that's about all we get in the text of the movie. And I've always felt like that's a little thin. Um, (laughs) Oftentimes in real cases, there are persistent choices, lifestyles, um, generational choices, in fact, Mm. that will open people up to demonic uh, oppression, which is much more common, which which is much more like a kind of deadening of everything spiritually, Mm. where you you have kind of the sense of depression, but your your mental health is actually fine, but there's Mm -hmm. a spiritual element to it. And then the much more uh, rare demonic possession, which is where there's a a lack of agency, a lack of control. There's some other intelligence at work within the person. Mm. So in in the fictional case, we're, we're led to believe that the Reagan is, is somehow in um, eternal peril because of this demonic possession. And the the culpability for Reagan's choices isn't really clear from the text mm-hmm. of the movie. You know, there's no... Um, there's no choice that she makes. She's this presented as this, you know, giggly, innocent 11, 12 year old girl. So what mm. really could she have done wrong to deserve this? Whereas right. in other cases, in, in documented cases in the real world, these are pe- you know, people who suffer from demonic oppression or possession have made choices against um, uh, against moral principles, have made choices to pursue uh, occult practices, to engage in a kind of spiritual relationship with demonic forces and Mm. have manifested acts of the will and choices that open them up to a kind of inverted relationship with spiritual powers that is in a dark mirror to the kind of relationship that uh, as as a Christian, Mm. I believe we're meant to have with God. And so It is in that choice of the relationship and that persistent choice to engage with those uh, evil spirits. That's where the the danger of the immortal soul uh, comes from, because Mm. the the ultimate fate of the soul comes down to one's relationship with God. And if you've Mm. made friends with the people in hell, well, then that's where you're going to be. And if that's what you've spent your life doing, because you haven't cultivated that relationship of friendship with God. So it's not Mm. fair to talk about Reagan's soul because we just, we don't have enough from the text of the movie. Mm. And I don't know if the book gets into any more detail uh, Mm. than there is now. 
I think mm. what Father Marin says uh, later in the movie is much more on the point about the danger that demonic possession uh, presents. It's meant to yeah. attack our faith, meant to make us despair. It's not so yes. much Reagan who is in danger. She is, but right. who is more in danger are all the people around him. See what this does, yes. of course, to Chris mm-hmm. and, and what it drives her to and how it com- it makes her come unglued from everything and mm-hmm. how it will affect, you know, it, it will cost Marin his life. It will cost mm-hmm. Karis his life. And there's a question of as to if that cost is paid, uh, is eternal life lost along with the physical life? Mm. So for 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 Reagan and, and for other people in documented cases where there's been demand, demonic oppression or possession, um, the the question of the ultimate fate of the soul depends on what other choices did the person make throughout his or her life. Um, mm. For Reagan, I don't know. There's just not enough to to judge. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like, uh, in this story at least, and I can only speak for, for this story, I, I've always felt that Reagan is the tool that Captain Howdy is using to get to Chris, to get to Karis, to get to Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like, yeah, in the book, um, there doesn't seem to be anything beyond, you know, just like playing with the Ouija board um, that uh, would seem to uh, indicate that uh, Reagan was like on some kind of diabolical path before Captain Howdy showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, though. But oh, man. Yeah, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to to get that viewpoint from uh, from a priest. Thank you very much, Father mm-hmm. David. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, Karis goes back over to that little um, Ottoman. Is that what that thing is? Hmm. It's like it's the it's the only other piece of furniture here. Uh, probably because <laughs> that if that thing came after you, it wouldn't be much of a threat. Oh, right. you say that now. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen an oh, Ottoman? Come on, Ottomany. <laughs> I'm afraid you of just... what I'll do to you, Lester. <laughs> Very afraid. I may not be so scary alone, but just wait until I get my friends. We'll start a whole empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, I say it's the only other piece of furniture, but like there's another piece of furniture here. Mm-hmm. It's a little end table with right. a drawer that suddenly slides open. Karis looks at it and then at Reagan and clasping his hands together on his knees, he says, uh, did you do that? Mm-hmm. Again, in that same humoring tone, um, like it, it, does it seem that way to you guys? Like the subtext is, is going to like, oh, are you going to try to convince me that you did that? Like what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. I watched this sequence carefully. Karis doesn't see the drawer open. He's looking <sighs> away at the moment the drawer opens. And when he looks <sighs> back, the drawer is open. Mm-hmm. So part of it is Karis trying to get control of the situation back mm-hmm. because something has just happened just out of the corner of his eye. He saw that drawer open. And so that adds that element of ambiguity, like what, what's happening here mm-hmm. exactly. And, but there's also now that he's, He's hit record with those big chonky buttons. Um, <laughs> he's or he's going to anyway. He wants to get something on tape where there's an admission to powers beyond human ken. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. He just missed it. Oh, that's <laughs> and then it's of course that's by design, right? Yeah. Like just as he was looking away, it's like it's like I could have done that with my hand. I could mm-hmm. one of my hands could be like untied, and I could have moved that. And you have no way of knowing. Oh, wow! I didn't even catch that. 
Well, it's oh, interesting man. in the book that uh, that what do you call it? Telekinesis or um, or the ability to move with your mind. In the yes. book, it's presented not as evidence that she is possessed, but the opposite. Exactly. Yes. Yes. yes the seven wildest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Psychokinesis. It's a real thing. We're just about to discover it. <laughs> right. It is. There are unintentionally funny parts in the book where Karis is trying to explain away the fact that it's no, 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 no. There's nothing supernatural about it. It's not a demon. He's saying this to Chris. It's like, right. no, there's no demonic forces at all. It's just that your daughter is telekinetic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Karis. And she looks at it. She gives him this incredulous look. She's like, like, you actually believe in that stuff? And it's like, you have to, you kind of have to like, like try not to laugh because like it's it's such an well i don't know i mean knowing bladdy that might be uh, intentionally funny actually mm. yeah um but yeah but by so, the time we get mm. carrie a few years later stephen king's carrie i mean that's mm-hmm. not seen as some psychosomatic <laughs> symptom mm, of carrie no. that that's evidence that that's real supernatural powers yeah right so now it's now it's like a supernatural thing now it's powers right <laughs> your daughter's not possessed she's an x-men like, <laughs> well that's pretty cool i'd love to be <laughs> that's yeah, what it well, takes okay yeah. i'm imagining charles xavier coming wheeling into chris's <laughs> instead house. of father mary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the exorcist the exorcist yeah <laughs> There we go, folks. Reagan, I've got this school that I want to show you. School for possessed youngsters. Yes. But yeah, okay, like we said, folks, by the time, by this time, he's already talked to Chris about psychokinesis as a mm-hmm. possibility, which I always found a little funny, just how like like out there he's willing to go rather than acknowledge the devil. Mm-hmm. And part of that, uh, part of part of what he says is that the church won't accept anything less than genuine possession. So he's being really thorough. But because we know Karis by now, I feel like he's also hiding behind the red tape a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when he says like the church won't accept these signs, what he's really saying also is I won't accept these signs. What do you guys think? Yeah. If there's, there's something where Karis wants he wants scientific proof for this. He wants mm-hmm. something irrefutable because as, as we've established in the text of the movie, he doesn't really buy into the exorcism thing. You'd have to go back to the 1600s in order to find someone who'd be mm-hmm. able to do it. And right. he's so immersed in the, the scientific mentality where the need for evidence, the need for proof that he is allowing that to numb him to the possibility that there is something here that is beyond mm. his capacity to fully understand. Yeah. I think they uh I I think they taught him too good at those uh at those big thinky schools, you know? <laughs> at Harvard and Bellevue and all those places, right? So uh so yeah, so um he says, uh did you do that? And Captain Howdy replies, uh-huh. <laughs> and so very pointedly, Karis pushes the drawer back in and he says, do it again. And now we get a cut to a shot where it almost looks like we're we're sitting next to Karis on mm-hmm. that on that ottoman. And Captain Howdy says, in time. Which again, like we we talked about the difference in vocabulary between Howdy and Reagan. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Karis notes as well early on, right? If this were Reagan, you feel like she'd say, oh, later, or, or something like that, right? But this added, like, archaism of mm-hmm. in time, right, is, is chilling in its own way, mm-hmm. right? Um, but because, again, Karis, it points oh, to how Captain Howdy's in control. Yes. Do right? it again, in yeah. time. I, I will when I choose mm-hmm. to, not because you told me to, but because I'm the one in control. 
Precisely, right? And he says it again. He says, in time, right? Mm. Um, in this, in this like gentle, wistful tone, right? Like, like not like this isn't a problem for me. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not fighting with you. I, I'll do it. Don't worry. Don't worry, little boy. You're gonna get your, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get your popsicle after dinner or whatever, right? <laughs> and then uh, Howdy says, Mirabile dictu, wouldn't you agree? Which I did some digging, <laughs> Father David. You might be able to help me here. Um, is this a pun? Because in my search, the phrase that seems to pop up more is mirabile visu, which means wonderful to behold, mm-hmm. like maybe some, maybe referring to like a miracle someone has just seen. But Howdy says dictu instead of visu, which I guess means like wonderful to say right. or to relate. So I took it as like he's, he's using the phrase wonderful to behold, but he changes it like and he makes it a pun saying it's wonderful to chat with you, Karis. Well, you, you could use mirabile dictu as a way to talk about um, you know something that is just wonderful to relate, like um, mm, you know, okay. well, you know, Lester and Keenan uh, are doing this podcast about the Exorcist and Mirabile Dictu. They got a priest to come on the show, mm-hmm. uh, ah. so it's like it, it, you know, we won't believe this. Uh, it, you know, isn't this wonderful to to hear or wonderful for you to hear? Mm. Wonderful for me to say. So yeah. it's its use here. I think is is part of the 4D chess of Captain Howdy because Captain yeah. Howdy knows what Karis is looking for in this conversation mm-hmm. because as, as we saw from the book, there's a mind reading that Captain mm-hmm. Howdy is able to do. So uh, I think that can go pretty deep past surface thoughts. And so mm-hmm. he, the, the, the demon knows that Karis is looking for evidence of foreign languages. So I think this mm-hmm. is an intentional misuse of Latin. Mm-hmm. That he's oh. that Kevin Hardy is using a Latin phrase that's it doesn't quite work in context. It okay. should be Mirabili visu, but it says right. Mirabili dictu, which is a similar but different Latin phrase. So it again oh. introduces the ambiguity, like, okay, it, oh, gosh, is this actually a demonic possession where she's speaking a language she doesn't know, or is this just a possessed girl kind of doing AI hallucination kind of stuff where she is right. dredging up Latin phrases kind of deep down in her psyche that she's heard and she doesn't quite understand. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. she heard this at church or something like that. Right. Yeah. Or she, she heard uh, heard one of her mother's very fancy dinner guests say, because <laughs> you've got a lot oh, of very yeah. educated people coming through right. Chris's house all the time and they mm-hmm. seem like the pretentious kind of people who would just drop Latin phrases and not quite know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. I can see that astronaut being like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't I thought of it that way. Thank you, Father David. Um, and so, yeah, Karis takes this as a sign to start recording. Uh, remember, he's trying to get proof, like Father David said, of, uh, of uh, the difference of, uh, uh, of, of speaking in a foreign language, but also the difference of uh, like speaking patterns, right? So the difference from like uh, how Reagan would talk versus how Howdy is talking, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah. So he's, so he's trying to get both of those. And we cut to a close-up of this machine as he... Uh, clunks down uh, the record button. Oh, I love that record button. It <laughs> makes me so happy. It's so chonky. Like, oh, there's so much action on that button. <laughs> this is some. This is some like '70s ASMR. It's right. I love it. Yeah, but he's mm. very strong. We must remember. He's so yes. <laughs> only a boxer could <laughs> only a boxer. That's what that his button. training was for. Was to get that thing down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, we we um we we get a close up of this machine as he clunks it down. Um, just in time to. Catch Catch Reagan speaking in Latin again. Mm-hmm. And she says, Ego te absolvo. What do we make of this, mm-hmm. guys? Like I said before, I, I think this is part of Captain Howdy's strategy to play with Karis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Ego te absolvo 
comes from the the Latin form of the prayer of absolution, which is the prayer mm. the priest says in the Catholic sacrament of mm. penance, known as confession. After mm. the the person in the the confessional uh, verbalizes all of his or her sins, mm. the priest will pronounce the forgiveness of sin and act with the authority of Christ. And the church teaches right. that uh, when a priest says the words of absolution, it is Jesus speaking through the priest because only God can forgive mm-hmm. sins. And yeah. therefore there is a specific formula that the church tells her priests to use so that there is this consistency in every experience of confession. And the Latin form mm. begins with ego te absolvo, I absolvo absolve you. Ego, I, te is the uh, direct object, you and absolvo for the verb. Mm -hmm. And that is a a Latin phrase that has still some some cultural cachet. Uh, Mm. It's less so now because we now celebrate the sacrament of of confession in the vernacular and the prayer of absolution is likewise now said in whatever the spoken language of the culture is. But you know, if you hear someone, you know, perhaps more in nerdy seminary circles amongst my students <laughs> making this joke, they say, Ego te absolvo, it's kind of a shorthand mm-hmm. way of saying, like, I forgive you. Right, right. Here with Captain Howdy, I, again, I think he's playing this game. Like, okay, is this actually uh, evidence of a language that Reagan doesn't know? Or is she a delusional little girl parroting back things that she has heard? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It's a common enough Latin phrase that it wouldn't be out of bounds for her to have picked up, I suppose. Yeah. I am so glad you said that, Father David. Yes, that, that was kind of like my suspicion. I've I've not attended um, uh, a confession or a mass uh, in Latin, and I wanted to ask you, so like this would be something that a regular churchgoer would hear, even if they're not, like, like, whether or not they speak a lick of Latin, like they, they might like, if they, if they go to church regularly, they might hear in, in the same way that, you know, you might hear, mm-hmm. you might hear ego te absolvo like all the time if you're a regular church goer. Yeah. If you, yeah, there are often enough, especially if you were a, a frequent penitent, if you went to the sacrament of confession, uh, you would hear the priest ego te absolvo. And it, it might be that hurried and rushed because mm-hmm. uh, as one who has, who hears confessions, it can be a long time in the box and you get tired <laughs> and you just like, well, find, find your, your edges. <laughs> You know, where, where can I shave this down? Uh, right. mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that would be very similar. I mean, same thing with like Dominus Vobiscum and Et Cum Spiritu Tuo, which were common uh, phrases said during the course of uh, of the mass. So yeah, I, I think there's, it's easy for care, especially for Karis as a priest, right? As mm-hmm, one who mm-hmm. would have been trained probably to hear confessions and give the prayer of absolution then in Latin. Um, right. He he would be very familiar with that phrase, so that would sound very familiar to him. And that's again part of the ambiguity that Captain Howdy's playing on. Uh, it'd be one thing for Reagan to quote Cicero in the original right. Latin, which would definitely like, okay, what's that all about? Because that's not something you come across. <laughs> Ego te absolvo is something Karis knows, like his phone number, that is, yes. is so familiar to him. It's like I can't tell if that's unique or not. Right. Oh, okay. I love this. Thank you. Thank you for yeah confirming my hunch, mm-hmm. Father David. Um, so not only do we have like kind of the irony of a demon forgiving a priest, but then we also have uh, this beginning of um, uh, what I think is, uh, th- th- I think this is like maybe the first of several teases that Captain Howdy does to Karis, right? right? Because the next thing that happens here, Karis says, quad nomen mihi est, right? What is my name? And, you know, he called her bluff, right? He's like, okay, so you speak Latin. Let's go. What is my name? Mm-hmm. And Howdy counters that with bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> so he has switched to French. Mm-hmm. Interesting that, that 
bonjour is also one of those phrases that, you know, everybody kind of knows, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not they speak French, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got, we got. On family um, feud, they know it. If they were like, what's a French word you say in English? Yes. <laughs> like, oh, right? bonjour. Yeah. So <laughs> show, show me bonjour. bonjour. Yeah. So show me bonjour, right? <laughs> right. Number yeah. three. So, so Captain oh, Howdy, one two. <laughs> yeah. So Captain Howdy is winning at family feud right now, right? <laughs> um, show me, show me foreign phrases that everybody knows, right? So yeah, so so far all of these phrases that that uh, Howdy has used are things that that a a a person who only knows English would st- would be able to pick up on, right? Um, r- regardless of whether or not they speak French or Latin, right? Mm-hmm. But Karis is insistent. He repeats quad nomen mihi est, and we can see in his face that he is <clears throat> well. What do we see in his face, guys? Like, I, th- I feel like it changes for me each time I watch it. Like, he's, he's got a little smirk going on, um, but also uh, I sense some anger. Like, what do we make of this? Like, what's, what's, what's up here? He's trying to gain control back. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's trying to, all right, now I've, I've, he thinks he has an in. He's going yeah. to right. play to the, the delusion. Because I think at this point, Karis still is operating under the assumption that this is a psychological condition. Right. And not yeah. a spiritual one, uh, mm-hmm. which in, in a way is what the church would want uh, a priest to operate with in this kind of investigation phase. Right. I think Harris's problem is you know, on his on a personal level. He just he's wrestling with his faith. So mm-hmm. right. he's not being as careful as I would encourage my brother priest to be in this kind of mm. situation. Um, he's trying to get control back and engage this uh, this patient on yeah. on a level that he thinks he can establish because the patient right. le- again it's that responsiveness of the the psychiatrist the therapist ah the patient led with latin i will therefore follow where the patient goes mm-hmm. yes. but now the patient has jumped to bonjour <laughs> to me it it almost looks like maybe he started kind of light like okay like like you say father david is like mm-hmm. i'm playing along mm-hmm. let's let's speak some latin and when she doesn't play along you see this smirk like ah yeah see like you can't actually speak any languages like see i i tricked you into proving it to yourself and yet i'm also sensing this frustration yeah. it's this it's the same as as when he jokingly asked her to make the straps disappear there's this there's this look like deep in his eyes he wants to see a sign he wants mm-hmm. to see another miracle and the way he says quad nomen me he asked again mm-hmm. it's like come on stop getting around like right. but he's like it's like you you started with latin let's let, let's go like and now you give me bonjour stop teasing me right right i'm trying to play your game and we keep adding another game and it's always mousetrap every single yeah. it's always <laughs> mousetrap. and it's not even mousetrap you just want to build the big contraption and, and yes. set it all off. You don't actually want to play the game. Yes, yes. Everything's mouth without everything's mousetrap. <laughs> but yeah, so then, uh, so so he says, quad nomen mihi est, mm-hmm. to which Captain Howdy then replies, la plume de matante, and laughs. Now, I have been waiting to talk about this Keenan, Father David, I got stuff to say, but I want to <laughs> check in. I want to check in with you guys first. Lester has something to say. Right? Uh, uh, Mirabile dict. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Um, but okay, guys, what is going on here? What is Captain Howdy even doing here with La Plume de Matan? Well, I, I did look that up, so I don't know if. Uh... Okay. Well, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but that apparently is uh, famous uh, for students of this time period who were learning French, that they mm. would have to learn this phrase, even though it is pretty inapplicable when you're speaking mm. in French, because yes. it is this term that um, that the textbook would want you to know, because apparently it has three different uses of the way that the A vowel uh, is pronounced, but Correct. that you would never have to use that in real life. Yes, mm. yes. Oh, interesting. Man. I, like, when I, when I caught this, oh, yeah, Father David, how about you? <laughs> 
Well, I, I was able to pick up La Plume, which is like, okay, that's like pen or like mm-hmm. feather or, you know, like nom right. de plume, like, you know, your, mm-hmm. your writing name, like, okay, this is a quill. And then like Matant, like, I, th- I think that's ant. Like, yeah. My, my aunt's quill. Like I, I only knew that because I was, I was, I came across a, a dumb TikTok video about uh, how the, the sound of the word pawn in French mm-hmm. applies to so many different words. And so you can create mm-hmm. this kind of nonsense sentence using the same sound in French. Yes. And pawn is the word for uncle and taunt uh-huh. is the word for aunt. Anyway, um, welcome those. to my brain. That, but I was like, okay, so this is like one of those. Um, my mother studied French very thoroughly at, in college and uh, was fluent. I, I think she would mm-hmm. say she's just not practicing enough now, but uh-huh. she remembers these really dumb sentences that she would have to say in order to demonstrate <laughs> competency in vocabulary and grammatical forms. Um, right. Like something like my feet are like two boats was <laughs> one of the sentences that she would always delight in repeating. Cause it just plays. It's so silly. Why would you ever need yep. to say that? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, um, that, Nowadays, I th- or at least you know, we're out in the West, right? So I'm in um, mm. Las Vegas, and Lester's out in Los Angeles. So a lot of our mm. students, I think, grow up learning Spanish as their their extracurricular language, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the more common things. So this this phrase might be the equivalent of like um, Maria's at the library, right? Donde está el baño? So that's useful. Well, that I is really useful. Want to know I... where the baño is. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, how often will you have to say that my friend Maria is at the library? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a friend Maria. <laughs> Otherwise, you're screwed. Right. <laughs> will you be my friend? It's it's so that I can say this Spanish phrase. <laughs> are we but like no, are we like Spanish phrase friends, or are we like real friends? <laughs> <laughs> Go to the li- what? I'm last time I was at the library. I was, yeah. <laughs> but no, okay, I, I'm so glad you guys brought that up. Guys, as a language teacher, I love this so much. Mm-hmm. This is so dumb, <laughs> but so clever at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you were saying before, Keenan. like Karis and Howdy are, are playing chess. And right now it looks like Captain Howdy just flipped the board and ate some of the pieces. But he actually... <laughs> But he actually made the best move possible. And even if Karis caught it on one level, he missed it on two other levels. Right. So, okay, I, I want to break it down. So we know that la plume d'amatante, right? Mm-hmm. It means the pen of my aunt, mm-hmm. right? Utter nonsense. What pen? Whose aunt, right? It makes absolutely no sense. Right. And even though it is grammatically correct, it is a sentence that you would never actually use in real life, mm-hmm. right? And like you guys picked up on, where do we find lots of grammatically correct sentences <laughs> that we would almost never use in real life, right? In school. In text, yeah, in <laughs> school, in, in, in uh, language textbooks, right? Um, these are filled with like useless, but grammatically complex and correct sentences, which only ever exist in order to teach you certain words or grammar points, right? And oftentimes, they will pull from previous lessons or they would try to cram in as many different categories as they can into one phrase. So like in one sentence, you'll have like a day of the week and a food and a family member and a color. So it's very economical from a teaching standpoint, but it makes for sentences that you would never use, right? My stepfather's pet duck has a birthday in July, Hmm. right? Doesn't everybody's? Yeah, exactly, right? And this sentence, la plume de matante, right? It does the same thing, right? What what does this one sentence teach us? It teaches us about family members, right? Mm -hmm. My aunt. It teaches us about uh, household objects, right? A pen. And then it combines them, right? This is my aunt. This is a pen. And then they, you know, they, they, they probably already learned how to say those things. And so now this is my aunt's pen, right? The pen of my aunt, Mm -hmm. right? 
So what Howdy is doing here, right, he teases Karis with a little bit of Latin, right? And then he regresses to um, bonjour, <laughs> all of which so far um, have been phrases that you might hear all the time, even if you don't speak those languages, mm-hmm. right? Like, like ciao or sayonara, yeah. right? And then finally, he hits him with a well-known beginner French textbook phrase, la plume de matante, mm-hmm. right? But there is another level to this. La Plume de Matante was also the name of a Broadway musical, right. which was popular when Blatty was writing the novel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So actually, okay, Father David, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you uh, do this with me oh. for context. We're going <laughs> okay. to bring this back. We're going to bring this into uh, 2023, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, boy. We're going to do this scene, right? Um, and so I'll be, I'll be Captain Howdy, and then you be uh, uh, Father Karras, All right. right? Okay. You speak Latin. Ego te absolvo. Quod nomen mihi est. Bonjour. Quod nomen mihi est. Le miserable. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. And he's quoting, he's, he's like, yeah, I speak French. Baguette. One day more. <laughs> so yeah, so like, like, oh, oh, and there's one more level to this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Remember, remember I said these textbook sentences are de- designed to teach you like a certain grammar point, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like past tense, present tense, plural, singular, right? First person, third person. Mm-hmm. What structure? Does La Plume de Matant teach us? Hmm? The possessive? Possession. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Excellent. That's oh, we're going to really chase, chase Father David away. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm, I'm just deeply enjoying this on an intellectual level that surpasses the capacity for laughter. Oh, intellectual has nothing to do with this. Oh, man. Really all right good. thank you guys for indulging me i was oh, way too yes. proud of that um i figured out all that out by myself <laughs> um but yeah uh but actually okay yeah i i love this little exchange because you have all of that all of this like this this multi-layered joke mm-hmm. but what howdy is saying with the joke is look buddy i know what you're doing i know what you, i know you're looking for proof and that's your problem you can't have faith without proof so i'm gonna mess with you i'm gonna give you just enough and then i'm gonna take it back and you're never gonna learn you're never gonna make that leap mm-hmm. i know you karis right right yeah and so now karis asks how long are you planning to stay in reagan mm-hmm. and how do you replies until she rots and lies stinking in the earth right he mm-hmm. gets a little he gets a little aggressive here and karis doesn't respond to this or at least at least he doesn't show a response mm-hmm. um instead he takes something out of his coat pocket we close up on it and we can see that it's a little bottle, a little a little vial of something. Um, we cut back to Captain Howdy slash Reagan looking very concerned <laughs> as he says, what's that? <laughs> but the answer to that question lies in our next minute. For now, we have reached the end. Keenan, Father David, is there anything else we want to talk about in this minute? No, I think we got it. The, okay. the only thing I would add just because of uh, what Captain Howdy says in response to Damien's last question there, how long are you planning to stay in Regan? I, I think mm. there's a way in which Captain Howdy is trying to play on Karis's own uh, aversions to things because Karis mm. is so uncomfortable in Bellevue because he's surrounded by that stink. He's surrounded by that rot, by that kind of that physical illness and sickness. And oh. Karis is an athlete. He's a man of the body. He trains hard. He, he, values physical health and so Mm. what's going to be more upsetting to Karis not something spiritual but something physical until she rots and lies stinking in the earth that's Mm -hmm. the worst thing possible for a man like Karis Mm. Ooh, I like that oh I mean I mean I don't like that (laughs) (laughs) it's on tape we got it we got it no (laughs) 
There you go, folks. You heard it. Esther likes rotting bodies. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for that, that insight, Father David. That's yeah, very interesting. All right, folks. This has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz. You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. And I've been Father David Maury. You can also find me on Letterboxd as Venerable Bede. <laughs> awesome. And we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join and we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who shared the show by word of mouth on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on, uh, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate it. That's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. Okay. Keenan, Father David, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Oh, I think I am too. Folks, until next time. The, the power, power of grammar, grammar compels you. <laughs>